Just want to welcome you guys to the second part of our series called Solomon. We're doing a character study, started it last week. Uh, and Kirby did this, but I want to do it as well. I just want to extend a special welcome to those who are watching online. Uh, so come on, church. Can we welcome the rest of our church who are watching? Can we just, man, we, we encourage you guys, man, just, uh, just one church, just in different locations right now, just all worshiping together, all praying together. I just want to encourage you guys. Uh, I just want to tell you, everybody, Man, just, just keep it covered in prayer, and we are watching hour to hour, day to day, um, and we'll, we'll contact you, we'll get in touch um, if any decisions need to be made this week or the rest, but again, just bathe it in prayer. Um, we're in this series, though, called Solomon. Uh, it's a character study of the King Solomon, the wisest king to ever live. Uh, our theme verse in 1 Kings chapter 10, the Bible says, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon. To hear the wisdom that God had put into his heart. The wisest king to ever live. So obviously, there are some things that we can learn from him if the whole world at the time came to Solomon for wisdom. If all the other kings came to him, then we can learn some things from his life as well. So we've been talking what we can glean from the life of Solomon. Week one, we talked about how he was the untested king. He was the untested king. David announced him to the people and said, here's my son, doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, can't really, you know, decide anything, can't really do anything, can't build anything. He's just the untested king, kind of soft. This is how David introduced him. He has no idea about the call of God on his life, but he's supposed to do some things. And because of that, Solomon prayed this prayer that he's famous for. He prayed to God in the, as he becomes the next king over Israel. And in the next verse, it says, as he became the king, the first thing he does is he goes to the bronze altar before the Lord and he offers a thousand burnt offerings and then he prays this prayer. Because God appears to him and he says, ask for me anything that you want. That's an incredible thing for God to ask. Ask me anything that you desire and I'll give it to you. And then in verse 8, Solomon says, Lord, I ask you, you've shown me kindness and all that. Then in verse 8, um, he asks of God, he answers God and he says, I'm untested, I'm unwise. And then he finishes with this in verse 10, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. I ask that you would give me and fill me with wisdom and knowledge. That can lead. It's an extraordinary prayer. And because of this prayer, God then blesses Solomon. Because of this prayer that Solomon, he doesn't ask for all the things that you and I would ask for, because I know I would have about 100 things ahead on this list. He doesn't ask for those things. He asks for wisdom and knowledge. And because of this, God blesses him, and he's able to build this incredible kingdom, able to do incredible things for God. He builds the temple and the palace, and he makes all these things. And it's so important. And so Solomon recognizes the foundation that wisdom is in his life. And so watch, this is why he writes in Proverbs chapter 4, getting wisdom is the wisest, and one translation says is the greatest, one says it's the best, one says the most important thing that you can do. That's why Solomon writes that. He says getting wisdom is the, the first thing that you can do. He basically said all the pursuits of life, all the things that people chase after, they're all less important than wisdom. All the things that you and I would have put on that list ahead of that, that we would have asked God for, riches or a big house or whatever it would have been, he said they all pale in comparison to wisdom. And so when he had the opportunity, he lived this out as well and asked God for wisdom because the definition of wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge because we have a lot of knowledge in our culture. We have a lot of knowledge in our day and age. We're in the information age. We have a lot of knowledge, but we don't have a lot of wisdom. There's not a lot of wisdom going around. We don't know the decisions that oftentimes we're to make. It's why we need wisdom. So Solomon becomes very famous in his kingdom very quickly because of this prayer. 
He becomes famous because one of the jobs of the king of the kingdom was to make decisions over the people, but it was to decide disputes as well. That was one of his jobs. And so they'd bring him cases that nobody else could decide on. They would bring him cases where there was a thievery or there was, there was something that no one else could decide about those people. And they would bring them before the king and say, let him make the decision. Let him resolve the dispute. So he prays this prayer and then he goes back to his throne. And right after he prays this prayer, he goes back and he's sitting on the throne and they're doing this. They're bringing the things that Solomon uh, has to decide on. And there are two women who are fighting over a baby. And so they come, two women who lived in the same house, and they each had a child, and one of them tragically rolled over and killed their child. And so they come asking Solomon to decide on whose child is still alive, whose baby it is that Solomon has. So Solomon has to decide who the true mother is. And it's a very difficult decision to make, because I don't know if you know this, if you look at this situation, it's difficult to decide, okay, whose kid is it? Whose baby is this? Because let's be honest, all infants, all babies look like aliens. Come on, somebody. They just, when they come out, they're blue or purple or they're just, uh, and, and they all, and they're not. And so I know we as pastors, we say nice things. We go to the hospital and we say very nice things. Oh, they look like your mom or they look like your dad or they have your cheekbone. Then they don't, all right? They just all look the same. Uh, and all you women are saying, that's mean, they're beautiful. And all the guys are like, preach, brother, that's your, you know, they just, they just all look, they, they're just not, they're not cute, right? they all look like aliens. But you say, that's beautiful, it's fine for you, all right? That that's just is what it is. But Solomon couldn't just look at this baby and be like, okay, he looks like this woman, so it's her, or he looks like this. No, Solomon couldn't just do that. So what Solomon does, check this out, he says, somebody bring me a sword. Now, I wanted a real sword, Right, I wanted uh, something sharp that like I could cut things with, but we couldn't find anything. So this is what we came up with. All right, you guys, you guys remember this from at the movies. But Solomon asked them, "Bring me a sword." Now you got to remember, Solomon's like 21 years old right now. He's like 20, 21. All right, he's just—he's not even out of college. He's just—he's about 20 years old, and he decides in the presence of everyone, "Bring me a sword. We're going to cut this baby in half, and then one half's going to go to this woman, one half's going to go to the other woman, and then it'll be even. Then you guys will be equal." Now, that does not sound like a nice and wise king. Like, I don't know about you guys. Like, we know the end of the story, but you guys don't know. Sitting in that room, it doesn't sound like a very nice or wise king. Because he says, we're just going to give one half to this woman, one half. Parents, you ever do this? Have you ever done this as a parent where your kid is fighting over a toy with your other kid? And they're just like, that's mine. And the other kid is like, well, no, I, I was thinking about it when you grabbed it, and so I should get it. And the other one comes into the room, and they haven't been a part of it yet. And they're like, I want to play with that. I want to have. No, and you as a parent are like, I am going to flush the toy down the toilet. And then nobody will have it. And then it's even, right? And then it's just, then we'll all be happy. And that's what, that's what as parents, I think we, we get to that place a lot of times. We'll all be happy. So Solomon says, no, I'm going to do So the first woman says, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. It'll be equal. Just go ahead and do it. The second woman says, no, no, no. Do whatever you have to do. Don't, don't touch the child. Give it to the other woman. Don't hurt the child. And Solomon says, the woman that fought for the life of the child is the true mother. Give her the baby. And the whole kingdom said, what a wise king. What a wise king that we have to rule over us. What wisdom he has that he wouldn't do it. Now, to us, to us, we think the answer is obvious. Of course, the mother is the one that would fight for the life of the child. We think it's obvious because that's what wisdom does. It takes a very complicated situation and makes the answer obvious. It takes a very complicated decision, a complex issue, and it makes the answer easy to see. It's what wisdom. It takes a decision or a situation. And so when others would be confused or when others would feel like in times of our life, it would make the decision for ourselves. It began, wisdom begins to make it clear. And we all have moments in our life. And I'm not just talking about this week. I know sometimes the tendency is to try to apply it right now to this thing. But I'm talking about in our entire lives. When we go into situations or complications or we have to make life decisions... Wisdom begins to make the answer clear. 
That's what this teaches us. So we stress about in our lives, God, I don't know who I'm going to marry. And God says, I'll make the answer clear if I give you wisdom. We say, I don't know how to raise my kids, Lord. I need some wisdom. And he says, I'll give you wisdom and make the answer clear on how to do it. A lot of you are praying, Lord, I don't know if we're a dog family or a cat family. And God says, you don't even have to pray about that. You don't even, like, the answer should be obvious. Come on, somebody, I'm going to preach today. So our key verse, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, he says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. And then in the New International Version, he says it this way. He says, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. You see, we don't live in a wise culture because there is a price attached to wisdom. There's a price attached. The word get there in the Hebrew, the word get is actually referring to a a purchase or a commercial transaction where you would actually acquire wisdom, where it would almost be like a purchase because there is a cost involved in acquiring the wisdom. There is a cost involved. It might cost you all you have. And so a lot of people aren't willing to pay the price to get wisdom in their lives. Yet the New Living Translation, it says it's the most important It's the wisest thing. It's the most important thing. King James Version says it's the principal thing. It's the first, the principal thing in your life, the foundation for everything else. It's the catalyst for everything else that you want in life. So you want to have a great marriage, you're going to need wisdom. Come on, somebody. You're going to have raised great kids, you're going to need wisdom. You want to have a great career, it's going to be wisdom that would help you to do that. You want to build a business, wisdom would be involved in that. You've got to make good decisions. You want to have great relationships, wisdom has to be there at the beginning. It's the principal thing. It goes on in chapter 4 to elaborate on this. He says, cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. You want to live a life of influence. You want to have a legacy. Live the life God has called you to live. It would be wisdom in your decisions that would cause that. Then the next one, he says, listen, my son, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, he goes on to say, when you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. A lot of people say, well, I'll make a decision and then it'll set me back in business for 10 or 15 years or I'll, I'll make that relationship decision, it'll set me back. And this verse is saying if there's wisdom in your decisions, then you might mess up, there might be mistakes, but it won't set you back because God is guiding you in wisdom in the way that you live your life. And so then verse 12, this is the one, or verse 14, the one we see, do not sit your foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of the evildoers, avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it. So wisdom would allow you to make those decisions, and we'll talk about that. He's saying if you're wise, you'll make good decisions about relationships. You won't go in the path of the wicked. You won't spend time in their path if you have wisdom. And we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about our relationships and choosing, because if you want to have wisdom in your life, it has to start in your relationships, choosing the people around you. And Solomon understood this. He made incredible treaties and associations and friendships at the king level as he began to establish the kingdom. And so he understood what it meant to be wise in who you choose to be around you. So we'll talk about that next week. But then it finishes with this verse that you see a lot of times on bumper stickers and the rest. The path of the righteous, so not the path of the wicked, the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter to the full light of day. That God is intentionally moving you, that he has you on this path. As you begin to have wisdom, as you begin to make the right choices, he's moving you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And it's going to take wisdom to go down that path. So the question all of us should be asking today then is, how do I acquire wisdom? How do I get wisdom in my life? And so I just want to give you three keys. We're going to hang out in James chapter 1, verse 5, because I think this is a beautiful example or beautiful picture of how we can get wisdom in our life that James writes about. Because James is writing to a congregation, he's writing to people, and he's telling them how to get wisdom. 
And so we're going to look at three keys from this before we go today, just three things that I believe if we want to have wisdom in our decisions, we want to have wisdom in our lives, not just right now, but in the rest of our lives, the decisions that we make, this is how we acquire it. So number one, jot it down if you're taking notes, number one is we have to recognize that we need it. You've got to recognize, if you're going to get wisdom in your life, the first step you have to do is you have to recognize, I don't have it, I need to get it. And I think James is a sweet pastor here because he says it this way, if any of you lacks wisdom, then you should ask God. And what he's doing is he's leading his congregation to a place of self-discovery. Because that's very, very effective. You, you lead them to a place where they decide for themselves, okay, I, I think I'm hearing that. I think I need wisdom. I think I need to do that. So James is saying, if you lack wisdom, because if you can lead somebody to that place, then they'll decide on their own to make the change, right? It's a very effective way that James is doing it. I'm not quite as nice as James. I'm not as uh, gracious as James. So let me rephrase this verse. All of you lack wisdom, myself included. Come on, somebody. All of us lack wisdom. I love you enough to tell you that, by the way. I love myself enough to tell myself that. We all lack wisdom in what to do. So I love that James says, if, if somebody, right? I don't know, you know, if somebody out there doesn't have wisdom, you should ask for it. But no, 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 all of us lack wisdom. All of us have situations where we don't know what to do. We don't know the decision. So I'm gonna shortcut the process today and tell you all of you lack it. We all need it. We all don't know what we're doing. That's why Solomon, even if you think you do know, Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter three, do not be wise in your own eyes. So even if you get past the James verse and you say, well, I, I really do know everything, even if you're in that place, Solomon says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord. Because I promise you, you don't have it all together. You don't know everything. And this is actually, we, we call it a sin of youth where we believe that we know everything and we can do everything. Uh, but honestly, we've seen the sin of youth go through every age bracket. It's a mentality. This thing. You think back to when you were in high school, though, or in college. You think back to that mentality you had when you were in high school, right? You were thinking, if we can just get all the old people out of the way and I can make some decisions, if grandma and grandpa would just stop making those decisions, then, man, I could fix some things. And then you get to college and it just gets even stronger, right? If we could just, if I could be in charge, they're just messing everything up. If I, I'm ready, just give me all the, all the decisions to make. If I could just be in charge, then we could fix something in this world. And you begin to lose that as you go. And honestly, there is something beautiful about youthful influence and beautiful about youthful insight, and we value that at Victory, but you cannot throw out those who have gone before. You cannot throw out their wisdom and their intuition. We can't be wise in our own eyes. And we don't realize how much we don't know until it all rests on us. You don't realize until you get to be an adult or a parent, you don't realize just how much you don't know until the decision rests with you. Until it becomes a new. And all of a sudden we realize, man, I got to get some wisdom that I need. I need the wisdom. And so Solomon knew that. He said, Lord, God, you put me in charge, but I, I'm a little child and I just don't know how to do it. So I'm going to pray for wisdom. We need that perspective. I don't care what age you are. We need that perspective of innocence and humility and authenticity that says, I don't know. And I need to go to God to get it. So once we recognize that, we recognize I don't have the wisdom that I need. I recognize I need it. Number two, we have to recognize where we get it. Where does wisdom come from? Because we've recognized that we don't have it. So James says, if you, don't, if you lack wisdom, he says, you should ask God. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Now, that's a problem a lot of times because most Christians get the first one. We recognize we don't have wisdom. But then the second one, we ask Google. Come on, somebody. We just, 
We, we recognize I don't have wisdom, I have a question, so I'm going to ask. We ask Google for everything. It's just a, a fun thing that's in our lives. We're constantly putting in our troubles, and we will click the first link, and that will answer all of our troubles, right? We will, but now we know everything about that particular topic. We know everything there is to know because we have clicked the first link. We are, we are in the smart. Come on. So you ever talk to somebody that you know just read the Wikipedia page for whatever it is you're talking about? Like you can tell. They're like, well, you know, studies say that this. And I'm like, you just read that. Five minutes ago, what studies? What do you, but you, you get into this place where we don't ask God anymore. Our first response is to type it into our phone. We're not, our first response is not to pray. It's why our theme for our 21 days of prayer twice a year is always pray first. Pray first, pray first, pray first. Not Google first, not search first, pray first. That's what our response is gonna be. So that's what Solomon did. That's what James is saying. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. So let's read Solomon's asking of that in 2 Chronicles. He said, give me wisdom and knowledge that I can lead these people. We read that earlier. Give me wisdom and knowledge so I can fulfill my purpose. Because he knows he's supposed to build the temple, supposed to build the palace, supposed to lead these people. And he needs wisdom and knowledge to do that. I recognize that. So he writes in Proverbs chapter 9. You can see Solomon's thought process throughout his writing. Solomon, Proverbs chapter 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so that word fear there, this is not saying if you're afraid of God, then you're smart. That's not what it's saying. Because you go back and look at the word in the Hebrew, the word there is acknowledging God for who he is in his place in our life. It's acknowledging that God is God in our life and we are not. That God is in charge and we are not. It's beginning to accept God's position. That's the beginning of wisdom in our life. You begin to accept that God is on the throne. You begin to dethrone yourself in a way. Begin to say, okay, well, it's not me. I'm not in control of everything. And that's the beginning of wisdom in your life. So you can't have wisdom until you get to the place that you are dethroning yourself. And then we pursue him. We recognize, I don't have the answers, but God does. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. And so it would be normal if I recognize I don't have wisdom. I recognize I need to get it. Then I need to go to God to get it. And then the third one is, I want you to recognize how he gives it. Once you begin to recognize how God gives it, because this verse in James is full of beautiful context in how God is giving the wisdom to people, how he disperses it to his people when we go to him and we ask for wisdom. And again, we speak English, right, in the Bible, the New Testament, written in Greek, and so you can't get the full effect of the verse until you go to the original language. And so the first thing I want to highlight here is the word gives. He gives, or gifts in the Greek, in that word, it's a continual word. It means never-ending that he's continually giving, continually giving and giving and giving because God gives it continually because he knows that we need it more than once. It's not a one-time thing. A lot of us think, well, if I go to God and ask for wisdom, then it better be a doozy. Like, I better get all the wisdom that I can get in that one thing. I better get a major, ask for something huge because this is my one shot at it. No, it says God continually gives it, continually gives it to us because he knows on a consistent basis we're gonna need it. On a consistent basis, we're going to need wisdom in our lives. And so he gives it over and over continually. In fact, Jesus said it this way, because we know we're going to run into situations where we don't know what to do. And so Jesus said it this way in the book of Mark. He says, uh, we'll have that verse on there. He said it in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus told him, in this world, you will have troubles. And he says, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will have troubles for itself. And he says this phrase in there, in the New International Version, he says, every day has its troubles. And so Jesus is telling us every single day is going to have trouble. Every day 
It's going to have something that's messed up. Every time we live on this world, every day is going to have something. Every day your kids are going to break something and not tell you. All right, everybody? Every day some kind of trouble, they're going to come to you, and you won't find out until you flush your toilet, and it doesn't flush. That's when you will find out, like, did you put the whole toy in? Why did you put the whole toy in the toilet? Why did you? That's just my life. I don't know if anybody else has. But every day has trouble. Every day messed up. Every day we need wisdom. Every day our marriage needs wisdom. Every day our finances need wisdom. Every day raising our kids are going to need wisdom. Every day in your career, in your business, every day in our relationships, we're going to need wisdom. Our day is full of trouble, so thank God that he gives it continually. He gives it continually to us. And then I love this word. Not only does he give it continually, look at the verse. It says he gives it generously. Now you look up the word generously in the Hebrew. You do a deep, in-depth word study. It means generously come on somebody that's deep it means generous it means bountiful like there is an unending supply of it it's this bountiful spread so no matter how many people come to God and ask him for a decision no matter how many people are seeking him he doesn't run out he doesn't run out of wisdom no matter how many times you go to him he is generously giving God never reaches this place that we we call decision fatigue Like, I don't know if you know this, but there's a whole psychology, there's a whole study that delves into the idea of decision-making and decision fatigue. And what it says is the more decisions that you make, the more decisions, whether they're big decisions or small decisions, whether it's about what clothes to wear or or what to eat for breakfast or who who to have a relationship with or whatever it is, big decisions, small decisions, the more you make, by the end of the day or the end of the week, at the end of your decision-making process, you are just completely exhausted from making decisions and you begin to make even more wrong decisions because you have decision fatigue. And some of you are saying, that explains a lot in my life. Like that is, I am accepting that right now. Like I, I can feel that. It weighs on your, every decision weighs on your subconscious. Even the little ones, everything starts to weigh and you get to that place. You make a lot of decisions and you get to decision fatigue. Now, I don't know, in my life, in the last few years, from the rebuilding after the flood to some changes in my life in leadership roles and different things with my family and just, just things that we've gone through, I have reached decision fatigue many times in my life, all right? In the last couple of years especially, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of you have, where you've reached this point of, I'm not making any more decisions, all right? I just don't care anymore. I'm not making any more. And I was at that place last year. Uh, a couple of weeks here, the middle of the year, I was just in that place, just perpetually. I was just at that place, like, I don't care. I'll just pick. I'll pick anything. Bring it to me. I'll choose. I'll pick. And my kids, I love my kids, by the way. They are the most amazing people on the planet. I love my children. I, we were, but we were riding in the car, and one of my kids was just asking me questions. Now, I love questions, but I don't like her questions that are asked continually a thousand times the same question, all right? Parents, you can relate to that. I just, I, that's not my thing, all right? I, but I, I loved it. But at one point, I was just, I was wiped out. I had made a bunch of stuff that day, had meetings, seen a lot of people. And I was just, I was just wiped out. And so I, at one point, I was just like, I just wanted to be just, refer to question number 32, because I've answered this 17 times already. And he just, just keeps on going. And finally, unfortunately, as a father, I got to the place where I was like, all right, that's it, quiet. No more questions. No more questions for the rest of the day. Like, we're, we're just not going to say, God never does that. God never gets to the place where we go to him in prayer, and he's just like, how do you not know what to do? No more questions. Like, that's it. I'm done. Like, how do, you, how do you not? Enough is enough. No, the Bible says it's a bountiful supply. He is generous in giving. 
generous in that. It never goes, it's kind of like Golden Corral, to be honest with you, all right? It's kind of like just a bountiful, you want somewhere where you can get full for $9.95. Golden Corral is your ticket, man, all right? That is, that is the place to be. That is, they just keep coming out with the buckets and dumping the food. It's amazing. It's the most amazing place on the planet, all right? In fact, we used to go in college, we used to go to Golden Corral. And we would, uh, we would go in at lunchtime with all our books and laptops and everything, and you'd set up shop at a table, and you'd eat lunch. And then you'd write a paper and read a book, and then you'd go get a late lunch around 2 o'clock. And then, right, you'd write another paper, and you'd be doing some stuff, and then you'd eat dinner at 5. It was the most amazing thing in the world. It was, it was incredible. You could just stay. And I don't know if this speaks to the unhealthiness of our culture uh, or not, but they have so much turnover, they don't even notice you. Like, they don't even just, they don't see you there. They just keep bringing the buckets and dumping. It's a miracle, all right? That's biblical. That's what that is right there. Generously. He gives bountifully. No matter how many times you keep coming up, no matter how many times you keep praying, how many times you keep asking, God gives generously. He gives continually. And here's what's even better. It says he gives to all. The verse says he gives to all. And that doesn't mean just all as in like a big group of people, some, some kind of overall wisdom to everybody. He does give to everyone, but it also means individually, specifically for you. That God gives wisdom. When we go to pray, he gives it specifically. He gives you wisdom that will help you navigate what you're walking through. He gives you wisdom, and that's my favorite part. The Bible says that he does it to all without finding fault. He gives to all without finding fault. God never gets upset about the fact that we have to ask. He's never upset about the fact that we need to go to him in prayer. That's not how God operates. He's never upset about that. God is never giving it begrudgingly, where it's like you have to drag it away from him. God gives it generously, and he gives it individually, specifically for us. And I don't know about you, but I, as a human, I find fault in people that come to me with questions. When my kids ask me the same question for a thousand times, I'm like, fault, right? Like I understand, or in my team at the chair, when they come, and I'm just like, how can you not, I've said this, I don't know how many times, how can you not know, just fault. And God never does that. When we go to him again and again, God's not up in heaven like, how do you not know what to do, fault, like, I find fault with you. How are you coming back to me to ask? No, the Bible says he gives generously, individually, without finding fault. Free from condemnation, free from guilt. We can go to him as a father, and he gives without finding fault. You don't have to be worried about the fact that you don't know the answer. That worry doesn't have to enter your mind when you go before God. You don't have to be worried about the fact that he's like, well, you know, this and this and that, and how could you not know and how... It says he gives generously without finding fault. And maybe you're facing a problem in your life or maybe you're facing a decision or maybe you're facing an uncertain time or whatever it is and you're going before God. You can go before him boldly because he loves us and he gives without finding fault. You can never wear God out. You can ask for wisdom and Solomon said it's the catalyst for everything else. It's the principal part. It's the foundation. You want wisdom in decisions, wisdom in relationships, wisdom in your marriage. You want wisdom, we go to God and he gives without finding fault fault it'll fill your marriage it'll fill your relationships it'll fill your relationship with your kids and by the way this is the catalyst for those things growing you build the right foundations you make the right decisions in wisdom it will help everything else to grow here's the problem most of us when we hear a message like this we think okay i got the first part i got all the steps i know i need wisdom and so now i just need a download of wisdom like if God would just give me the tablets right now, I could just have wisdom and I think that's important. I'm gonna go home. A lot of us hear that, but that's not how God works. God doesn't just give us a bunch of stuff. God gives us himself. 
He gives us of himself. You know, the Bible says that the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So those are all the things that we need, but we don't go to God and ask just for, well, we need just more love, or we just need more patience, or we just need more self-control. No, those are a byproduct of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Those things that are the, the fruit of the Spirit, it's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so you don't just need more self-control. You don't just need more love. You don't just need more patience. You need the Holy Spirit. You have to have that in your life. It's the same thing is true with wisdom. That's why Paul wrote it this way. And we're going to finish with this verse in Ephesians. He said, I keep asking. Why? Because you keep needing. Come on, somebody. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Not that he would just give you a bunch of wisdom, because again, just knowledge by itself is just knowledge, but he would give you the spirit of wisdom, and that's my prayer for you today. All of you that lack wisdom, myself included, that we need to give God who gives generously, gives generously to all without finding fault, and guess what? Then he fills us with his spirit, and out of that flows the wisdom that we need to live our lives. Bow your heads with me today. We're gonna pray. God, we thank you for your spirit today. Lord, we thank you that he brings wisdom that we need to navigate complex issues of life. Lord, that there are a lot of people, Father, here watching online that are facing decisions, God, that are very difficult, very complex. Lord, that we're wrestling with the answer today. And so, God, I pray today that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with your spirit, God. Bring wisdom. Fill us anew, Lord, that the byproduct of that would be the wisdom that we need in our lives. Lord, that we would be able to sort out the complicated issues that we face. God, that you would fill us with wisdom so we can do what you've called us to do. And then our lives, Lord, we would begin to walk out the purpose that you have for us. And every head bowed, every eye closed today. I want to pray that prayer over us as a group. But before I do that, I just want to speak to those of you who are either here in the room or watching online and you say all oh, that, yeah, I need wisdom. And you say, yeah, that, that speaks to me and I feel that in my heart and I want that. But you say, but I'm far from God today. I can't even get to the wisdom portion of it because I'm so far from him. And so I wanna offer you this opportunity today that if you say, yeah, I'm navigating difficult decisions and if you've ever tried to make those decisions on your own, if you've ever tried to, to navigate the complex issues of life on your own without God, you know that it is crushing that the weight of those decisions can crush you. And so if I would encourage you today, none of this happens, the wisdom that God gives, none of that happens without first having a relationship with him. And so before we pray over all of us as a whole, I wanna give you that opportunity. That if you say, I want that in my life, I want to have a relationship, I want his promise to be in my life, I just wanna pray a prayer with you of salvation. So if you're here today and you feel that, that prodding of the Holy Spirit and you feel that you need to come back to God, you feel like you need to make that decision, I just wanna pray with you. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna make you stand up. I'm not gonna make you come to the front. I'm not in this to embarrass you at all. I just wanna pray with you. And so if that's you today, you say, I wanna make that decision for Christ, we're gonna pray with you. I can give you the words to pray and the church is gonna pray it out loud with you, but you have to say them and mean them in your heart. So if you want to make that decision, make that right now. Say, I want to pray that prayer. Include me in that prayer. 
So come on, church, let's pray this with them. Let's all say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins, for all my mistakes. I surrender to you. I accept what you did on the cross. And I say these words, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, God, I thank you for every person here or listening or watching online. Lord, I pray, God, help us. Help us to live the life that you have called us to live. Lord, help us to be responsible with the things that you have entrusted to us. And give us wisdom in our decisions, God. Give us wisdom in every area of our life. We cry out like Solomon, Lord. We don't know what to do, but we ask you for wisdom. Lord, we ask you for your presence. Fill us with your spirit anew, God. Help us to make the decisions of our life. One more time, Holy Spirit, we ask you, be present in our lives. Lord, help us to live the life that you have called us to live. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Can we give a clap offering for what God has done today?